0: And last week, we began with the doctrine of salvation. And that was with repentance. And then today, we're carrying on with the doctrine of water baptism and the need for it. And this is some really good information. And even though we have been in church, some of us, many years, we wouldn't, we'd never doubt the need for Jesus' name, baptism. But still, sometimes we, we forget... Just how important, how vital it really is. It's not just some ordinance that you can take it or leave it. It's a necessity. It's a commandment. And we're going to begin uh, this morning with Romans six chapter verses one through seven, and then we're going to go to Ephesians five twenty-five through twenty-seven. In Romans six verse one it says, "What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound?" God forbid you may you stand if you would like. God forbid how should we that are dead to sin live any longer therein know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death therefore we are buried with him buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father even so we also should walk in the newness of life for we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, Ephesians 5:25 27 Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You may be seated in Jesus' name. you ever gone through the groceries? You know, I, I used to... I used to believe it was a very unmanly thing to go grocery shopping. And I believe in being very manly, keeping your wives in check, thumbs on them, kind of stuff. But occasionally, you know, as you get older, you realize that that woman that's been by your side for all those years, she's put up with a whole lot. And that you're very fortunate that she's still even around you. So occasionally, as a result of that kind of thinking, you go grocery shopping. And the reason why that I went grocery shopping is because I said, we don't need to spend this kind of money. And she says, you go with me and you'll see. turned out that when I went, we spent more money. You ever try to pick out one, one thing of cookies? Just one, you know, just one. There's ten thousand cookies, ten thousand different packages. You're supposed to pick out one. It's I like go into a donut shop and saying, you know, you just want one of this kind of donut. When you got all these donuts there, it just doesn't work. He said, "Where are you going with this?" I, I don't know. I'm just talking. But anyway, I I will go this this far. I, I, you go through the through some of these 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 aisles and you look at so much of the food says just add water. Just, just add, a lot of consumables are, are that way. Just add water. And I, that's a real simple recipe, and you got a promise of instant results if you just add water. That's what it says. But interestingly, interestingly, God also chose to use the same physical ingredient, water, as a part of the redemptive plan. Now, when God established the New Testament church as a part of the salvation plan, He began a procedure that includes the most available element on our planet. Now, redemption includes many spiritual and unseen components, but it also calls for the use of a common element of water. When a believer is baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, something wonderful happens. And since it is a vital part of the plan of redemption, we should be aware of the implications and the importance of water baptism. Now, in the back of many recipe books, and that's another thing I've been doing. I've been actually getting recipe books and looking at them. Yeah. Well, Adam, excuse me, Brother Hill, I'm trying to quit that. I have got so used to him. He is Brother Hill, by the way. No, I just want everybody to know that. And if I make the mistake of calling him Adam, it's because I'm just getting old. But anyway, he, you know, I I've been around him and he reads recipe books. You know, he reads a Bible and recipe books. That's that's what he does. And and so uh so I've been trying to look at some recipes. And of course, you know you can get by that by having on my recipe books it says wild game recipe, Book. that's a manly thing. It's a, so you look at that, but, you know, in the back of those you find substitutes. A lot of you can substitute this for that. Uh, so, you know, there's are some areas that you can substitute margin for butter, oil instead of Crisco, or non-dairy whipped topping instead of that really good. Oh. That really heavy whipped cream, anybody love that man isn 't that the greatest thing? get that non dairy stuff and you put it on you know my when I get strawberry shortcake, you know you get a, a lot of juice, put it on angel food cake, some strawberries, and then you take that non dairy stuff and you spray it on, you cover it all up, and the time you get in to sit down it 's all gone, it just disappears. This goes into the nether you know it, it just it 's gone, and that you get cool whip or some of that really heavy stuff, and it 's there forever, then you forever too when you eat it. So you get all these are substitutes. Substitutes may be allowable in some cooking, but there is never a substitute for water baptism. Never a substitute for the requirements of atonement. Never a substitute for that. You, you cannot take away the sensuality of the ingredients it takes to be saved. And you cannot substitute anything else for those ingredients. God has set this in order, and it will be in order until He returns. Now, Jesus reinforced the essentiality of water baptism in Mark sixteen sixteen, saying, He that believeth on me and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. There is no salvation without water baptism. And obviously, water is not the only element of our salvation, but it is a vital part of our salvation. Some individuals wrongly argue that salvation requires belief and belief only. However, Jesus equally linked belief in water baptism as two of the essential components of salvation. According to Christ, belief alone is not insufficient, or is not sufficient rather, or is insufficient for redemption. Only the, uh, on the other hand, if a person does not believe, it doesn't matter how much you're doused in this tank, you are not going to be saved. If you are baptized simply because someone wants you to be baptized, then you are not, there's no value to what happens to you. But when you go down in the water in Jesus' name, believing that He is the one true God, and only through the power of His name can you be saved, only through the power of His name is the blood applied to your life, then something miraculous happens. Praise God. thing that I have noticed in a lot of churches that begin to let up in areas. They'll start letting up in, in holiness and in, in holiness standards. And the next thing that goes is water baptism. Now, you, you mark my words. I'm, that it, it'll always go that way. They'll let go of water baptism next, and after water baptism is gone, it's no longer essential to speak in tongues to receive the Holy Ghost. It'll continue that way. But when you know... The only way to make it is God's way. When you know that every word in that book is still effective today, there is no, there's nothing that has been taken away from it, God has not changed His mind, then there's something wonderful about serving God in all of His truth. The Lord taught the importance of water baptism for individual conversion, but He also commanded the practice as a key element of world evangelism. So it's not just individual, it's worldwide as well. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Now while teaching and making disciples begins the process through faith, Jesus clearly demonstrated in the same passage the vital role of baptism. The risen Lord commanded that we baptize new believers... The Lord Jesus also demonstrated the importance of water baptism by His own participation in water baptism. And in the case of John the Baptist, he went into the wilderness and and John sent, told him, he said, well, he said, I, I don't need to baptize you. You know, I, I need to be baptized by you. And what did Jesus tell him? He said, suffer to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. In Matthew three fifteen, Jesus commanded mankind to be baptized and he illustrated its importance by allowing John the Baptist to baptize him. So obviously it's very important to be baptized in Jesus. Jesus' name. He had no personal sins that he needed to repent of or to be baptized, but he wanted to personally demonstrate the vital nature of water baptism. To know Jesus Christ commanded baptism should be evidence enough for any believer to willingly and obediently submit to baptism. But the scripture, (laughs) excuse me, provided more evidence than only the words of Jesus. The clear evidence of baptism is important emerges when one studies the words and the practices of the apostolic church, the early church. When you begin to study that... You begin to understand what Peter's message was on the day of Pentecost, the importance of it. He instructed the people to be baptized in Jesus' name and that first message that was ever preached to the church. Uh, and the hearers was who gladly, and this is the key element, the hearers who gladly received the Word was baptized that day and there was 3,000 souls added unto the church, but they had to gladly receive the Word. Now, I, I, I still remember... I still remember at 10 years old being baptized in Jesus' name. That has never left me. That has never left me. And for people, I have a, I have a hard time understanding. Now, I, I do, I realize sometimes when people are shoved in the water and you as a child and you're, it's done and, and mom and dad wants you to do it and you don't have a clue why you did it but just did it to make them happy. I can understand sometimes the need to be rebaptized, But when you have gone down to the altar and you've repented of your sins, and you know it's essential to be baptized in Jesus' name. You will never forget it, and you will know it never needs to happen again. Now, that's the truth. This, uh, was this past, yeah, it was this past Sunday. And Amber, you, uh, I baptized her. I, uh, I was back putting on the, the boots, and, and Eric came back. He had to help me out. And, uh, he was asking all about the hip boots or the waiters rather. And the um, first thing, the thing that he said to me, he said, he said, Pap, do you remember? now I just baptized him about four or five weeks ago. He said, do you remember baptizing me? <laughs> and I said, Eric, I will never forget baptizing you or Samuel. I said, I will never forget it. And and that's that needs to be pressed in to realize, folks, you know, remind that's the most important thing that'll ever happen to them. The most important thing that'll ever happen to them. Don't ever make that something light. Don't ever. It's it's vital. It's vital. The scriptures show the essentiality of water baptism, but they also reveal the urgency of the act. And after Paul and Silas ministered to the Macedonian prison keeper, the man arose and was baptized. Straightway, which means immediately, in Acts sixteen thirty-three, He did not wait even until the following day. Now it would seem that if baptism were unimportant, there would have been no hurry for him and his household to be baptized. The directive for baptism carries a new urgency, or is the same urgency rather, as repentance and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 1 Corinthians 6 2. Now is the accepted time. Understand something. Repentance is absolutely essential. You need to die to your sins. Water baptism is just as essential. In Samaria, follow me, Philip did not first give his converts a 21-week course on interpreting the tabernacle plan before he baptized them. When that person has totally repented, they want to be baptized in Jesus' name. And today is the day of salvation. I know where sometimes we put things off because you want family here. I understand all that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that need to be baptized, we can't just push people aside and say we're going to have to wait a month from now. It bothers me when we have to drain the baptistry for a day or two. You wonder, oh, you know, what's going to happen? We can always go down the river, and we can do it down there. we just push the snakes aside and get rid of all the stuff that comes out of Indianapolis, and we'll be fine. But it says, when they believed, they were baptized in Acts eight twelve. Later, this young evangelist shared the gospel with a soul riding in a chariot, hurrying across the desert. The Ethiopian official understood that baptism was not optional for salvation, and he knew no substitute existed for baptism. And even in the desert, in the desert where there's no water, what did he say? He said, look, there's some water. We found some. What hinders us from me being baptized? So right there in the desert, they found water to baptize. Listen, when somebody wants to be baptized, you can find some water to baptize them in. That's just the way it works. One of the highlights in my life, one of the first things in your life as a minister that, that, that always, you always remember, and, and baptism has been, there's been several times, instances in baptism, where uh, there's been some really good things. Brother Davis, years and years ago, oh, he had a, a, it was a distant relative of mine, that's when Sister Lots was alive, and she had been working with him. He had a stroke; he couldn't move. He was emaciated. He just—he was nothing. He was dying, and she wanted him to be baptized. So we drove. He went with me. We drove all the way up into, into Houston, which was up in Jackson County area, and and we drove up there. And I, you know, there was didn't know what to do. You know, we need to baptize him. He was in a the bed. They had a pond in his, in the front yard there, and this pond was one of those that dropped off quickly and brother davis got in the pond and i i picked this man up and held him in my arms and backed into this pond because it was so steep You knew he was going to go down and he held against me and i baptized both of us i had him in my arms and i went down with him all the way down and came back up in jesus name so there is always a way there's always a way There is always a way, and, it, and that time can't be put off you don't, you don't know. I remember it was just a short order afterwards that he passed away, but, uh, but thank God, and I remember bringing him out of there and, and, and my great aunt was up and uh, he began to worship. I, I can't say he didn't receive the Holy Ghost. I believe that he probably did. You couldn't make out a lot of what he was saying, but now uh, you know I, I'm, that's between God and them. so there's always there's always a way now after God. Miraculously, filled the people with His Spirit. While Peter was preaching in the house of Cornelius, Peter commanded the the the, the new believers to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ Acts ten forty eight and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they them, him to tarry certain days. When God instituted the new birth, He included the command of water baptism for. The remission of sins. You're going to see some things here it should come up behind me. Uh, three different things. Born of the water, saved by water, and passing through the water. And so those are going to... Th- th- this is this is the areas I'm going to cover right now to let you know the types and the shadows that occurred in the Old Testament that pushes us, promotes to us, shows us, reveals to us the necessity of water baptism in the New Testament. Uh, you know, it, it, it's... Um, Interesting, it was, it was not the first time that there was, there was this type of uh, uh, situation that occurred. He included the use of water in a plan to save mankind. When the earth was flooded in the days of Noah, God used water not only to judge the world, but also to save the righteous. Peter stated eight souls were saved by water. 1 Peter 3.20, that's another verse of Scripture that every time I come to that, when I go back to a, a time that I was uh, we were having our taxes done, this was in... Uh, this was in freedom. I can't remember the name of the lady. Do you, just, yeah. Do you remember? Okay. you remember her? We went to have our taxes done. And uh, I, she was a good, good Baptist lady. Okay. She was a good Baptist lady. And so we've talked about water baptism. And she, I'll never forget, she said, If you can show me anywhere in the Bible where it says you're saved by water baptism. She said, I'll believe it. And I went and got her Bible and turned to that scripture. Where it says, you're saved by water. I'll never forget her answer because when you come to that, how can you argue with it? She said, I never knew it was there. And I said, I said, that's the problem. So many people don't know what's there. I said, because they don't check it out for themselves. And I, I never got her baptized, but she knew. Boy, it's hard to get rid of tradition sometimes. Right, Pentecost people? Hmm? Sometimes Pentecost becomes traditional. when Oh, good preaching! Thank you, Lord. First mm, Peter three twenty twenty one. Which sometimes were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was. I'm preparing wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Noah and those who accompanied him floated up away from the destruction to the very source that destroyed the world. Water not only destroyed the world, but it also floated the ark which saved him and his family. So water can be a destructive source, but it also is a is a, a source of salvation. In similar fashion, baptism doth also now save us. Like the ark provided a means to salvation for Noah, so Jesus Christ is our source of rescue from the destruction of the evil one. Water also served as the main ingredient used in the redemption of God's people from the slavery of Egypt. Chased by Pharaoh to the waters of the Red Sea, the Israelites' only escape path was through the waterway. That is the only way they could get away. Now, regardless of what some of your uh, updated Christians say, that probably the Red Sea was only just an ankle deep, why in the world does the Bible say that the water was walled up around them and that group, <laughs> come on, that group of Egyptians that chased them was killed by that same? Water. Now, who in the world held those that army down in in six inches of water and drowned them? Somebody, um, I I can't remember. It was on. uh, uh, It was an email or something where it said that they had seen the area where they thought uh, the Israelites crossed over the Red Sea, and they said that on either side was uh, maybe it was. Do you remember that that they had marked? There was markers there, wasn't it? They found the channel, they found the channel but they said on either side the, the water dropped off to I want to say hundreds, if not a thousand foot deep. But there was one area that was it was I don't think it was thirty or forty feet deep. It's the only place it was even been possible because not for the fact that God could not have done it, as the fact that if they'd had to gone down in the in the, a canyon on either side. And this way, they just walked down 25, 30 feet and so forth and walked right across. And it said it was later that they'd done some excavation. And they found that where, uh, later they had marked that area where they crossed the Red Sea. Now, and they said that they also, I think they found bits of, of Egyptian chariots and so forth in that same area. So it's been proven by artifacts as well that this is, this is something that really happened. Now, this is, you know, Paul referred back to this in 1 Corinthians 10.2 when he talked to he Paul actually called the great escape in baptism so he he said this was a figure likened to baptism you see the those that those that went through the red sea was a, a whole a whole nation a whole generation if you would of israelites that still had to go through the water and as they went and they walked through the wilderness for 40 years another generation had to go through the jordan river in order to get into the promised land. It was essential for God's people to always go through the water. So you cannot, you cannot sit back there in any way and tell me biblically you don't need to be baptized. You do need to be baptized. You do need to be baptized. You know, the requirement and use of water in the plan of salvation has to do with spiritual, not external cleansing. Peter stated, The like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us, not... The putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is an inward washing away of sins, causing uh, the answer of a good conscience toward God. The purity of the actual water used for baptism in the location did not matter. What matters is our obedience to the injunction to be buried in the water in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what matters. So it doesn't matter how dirty the water is. Doesn't matter what you have to deal with. What matters here is that you're answering the injunction to be buried in water. It is insufficient only to know water baptism is necessary for salvation. One also must know how to execute baptism biblically to affect the spiritual work of Jesus Christ. Now, now our faith in Jesus Christ is effective through the power of the gospel, now, we have to understand the gospel. We hear that term used a lot, but let's look at the gospel. Now, Paul said to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2, he says, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, by which also, he said, you are saved. Now, if the gospel saves a person, rescues a soul from perdition, then you need to know, embrace, and obey the gospel to be saved. Now, fortunately, Paul went on to explain the gospel of Christ, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scripture. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ constitute the message of the gospel. We must obey the gospel or face eternal damnation according to 2 Thessalonians one eight. Now, in Massachusetts... The Boston Tunnel passes from one part of, of Boston to the other part. It's from the west to the east. It uh, actually comes out just on the east side of the city. Now, this tunnel provides a pathway for travelers to make it from one to other. Now, this tunnel passes under Boston Harbor. So it goes under the water and comes out on the other side. But this is the same understanding that and looking at This is the same way the gospel works in our lives. We have to have a way to get from one place to the other. And for us to find salvation, we have to travel... The gospel, the good news, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the only way to get from point A to point B, to get from from earth to get to heaven. We have to travel that road. And those who refuse to obey the scriptures and do not respond to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ facing eternity with the devil and where he's going to wind up. We don't want to say hell because it's not politically correct. You go to hell because I never was politically correct. So we respond to the gospel by obeying the plan revealed by Peter on the day of Pentecost. Let's look at it again. Now, I know last week we talked about repentance, but as uh, just a little bit of a review here, let's look at repentance again. Death constitutes the normal and natural conclusion of life. That's just the way. No matter who you are, when it comes to this natural body, we're going to die. What we don't want to experience is a second death. That's when this body and soul is cast into the lake of fire. We want eternal life. But we will die no matter who you are. And as you get older, the more you realize that you're going to die. And The more you realize, your body begins to give out on you. Things don't work as well as they used to. Can't see very well. Get confused easy. Oh, God, keep moving here. In order to leave behind our former lifestyle of sin, we have to die to that old nature. According to Romans 6 and 6 preparing us to transition into a full, real, and abundant life. Oh, if I could ever get across to you how easy it is to just give all the old life up, just throw it aside, and just live for God. I know. I, isn't that easy to stand up here and say? But eventually, if you really want to live for God, eventually you'll, come to, you'll quit worrying about who does what. You'll just begin to, to serve God, love God, and find out that God will take care of everything else. That's what death is to the old man. That's what death is. You know, the efficacy of, of Christ's death makes it possible for us to follow his example through spiritual death to our will so that we can prepare to experience new life through Jesus Christ. Through repentance, we can be free from sin's bondage and have a real life in Hebrews two fourteen and 15. The follower of, of, Christ, a follower of Christ associates with his death on the cross by dying to his life of sin. He repents of his sins, turns away from that old lifestyle. Besides, he doesn't want it anymore. When you make that decision, all the rest of it comes easy. In fact, that's why to some people they can receive the Holy Ghost before they're ever baptized. They can come down to this altar and make up their mind right then and there, God, I do not want to be what I have always been. And not just saying it so that I can hear it or any man up here can hear it, but saying it so that God can hear it and so that you can hear it. Sometimes the person you've got to convince is you. Don't you just get tired of being that way? Just I found out that you just ignore everything and go on. You know, but the fox tell me now they've got a new rumor going around probably on Facebook <laughs> that I've dropped out of the UPC. And I think they're so convinced I dropped out of UPC, even if I went up and told them that I have shown my card. I got a gold card too, so I'm a gold card. That they still think I dropped out of UPC. I think they want me to get out of UPC. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't have a clue. I guess if they're talking about me, they'd leave everybody else alone. I just stay over here, preach the word, try to win souls, try to have revival. That's you know, that's all we do. But you know the the thing is, yeah, it probably is on Facebook. You know, I'm gonna I'm on a, I'm on to bind the devil of Facebook. I decide next time you get on Facebook, your computer's just gonna. Okay. Now, if that goes home, you happen, you're going to know that I got power with God, so there you go. So you turn away from your old Facebook sins. It's true repentance.'t Don't, <laughs> Don't worry about what the people say or think about. You just live for God. That is the key to it. And after you've done that, then you're ready to move on. You're ready to move on. Water, baptism, burial, it is normal to bury one who has died. That's normal. You don't want to leave that old carcass laying around. You don't want to. Jamie left him laying in the bed for a few days. He'd probably smell up the house. Right? She says, oh, Eldar, I love you so much, I just can't let you go. After she looked at him about three or four days into death, she decided she wanted to bury him as quick as possible. <laughs> Eldar is the only one I have a trouble calling with his last name, Brother Arumbayev. I'm trying to work on it, but it's just really hard, so it has to go with Eldar. Right? But, you know, that's the natural order. You, you bury that which is dead, and you want to bury your old lifestyle that you just killed in repentance in the waters of baptism. You want to do this. So it, was that, so it was that Jesus Christ was buried following his death on the cross. He was placed in an unused tomb. A stone was rolled across the doorway, and the tomb was sealed. Thankfully, Jesus was not destined to remain in the tomb for long. After three days and nights, he arose. And that's the one thing you have to remember. If you're a child of God, it doesn't matter what they do with your body. One day you're going to arise again. That's one day you're going to arise again. Now, to associate with the burial of Jesus Christ, a believer is to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And since the believer has died to his sins, he is to be buried with Christ in baptism. And those who have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust Galatians 5.24. In other words, saying those of you that have crucified the affections and the lusts and the sins of your life, then it's time for you to be buried or Water baptism. It's time for you. You've got to crucify that old man. All those lusts, all those desires, crucify them because that is the only way to make it really viable. For we are buried with him, but the Bible says by in, by baptism unto death in Romans six four. By entering the watery grave, one not only aligns himself with Christ at his burial, but he also buries the dead life of sin he once lived. Nobody should be buried alive. That's a terrible way. That's why so many people have trouble with backsliding. They're buried alive. And when you you can imagine what a, t- a terrible thing and feeling it would be to be put in a coffin alive. You know, the, you said this happened a lot in, in the, back in the 1800s, that they, you know, they really couldn't tell if a person was dead or not always, and they buried them, and they would find claw marks a lot of times in old coffins where they tried to get out and had six foot of dirt on you in a wooden coffin. Now, what a tragedy it would be. But it's not much different in spiritual sense. That's why when people are buried in Jesus' name and they're not really dead, they keep clawing at trying to get back to the world. If you come out and you're not quite where you need to be yet and you've done it too quick, then you find yourself back to the altar and you continue to kill yourself. You kill the old man and the affections and the lust thereof. We're buried with him in baptism. Burial with Christ is effective only for those who have died with Him. A person bent on sin or one who enters a baptistry just to appease friends or family should first die. That's repentance from the old lifestyle so he can truly live. Baptism is for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. This means baptism permanently erases sins just as a conventional burial disposes of a person's remains. When the minister buries a man or woman in the waters of Jesus' name, baptism, that individual's old nature stays buried. What comes back up is a new creature. For as many of you have have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Galatians 3.27 The next one is a resurrection power through the Holy Ghost. And we should associate, finally we should associate with the Master in His resurrection so that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. In this verse, the proof leaps out to confirm that the analogy of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection does not hedge in mere symbolism. And metaphor, the, the gospel message powerfully transforms a creature of death into a person of righteousness. Receiving the Holy Ghost completes the makeover, although the experience may sometimes precede baptism, Acts 10, 47. Obeying the scripture by associating ourselves with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection serves as an escape route from the doom and destruction destined upon this earth and, it, and its lost population. It provides a promise of eternity with Jesus Christ. This is what happens. It provides a promise. Promise of eternity i 've got resurrection power in me through the baptism of the holy ghost i 've buried me old man i 've remitted my sins i 'm ready for a brand new life now there have been people that have been confused and uh, through the years and after the apostolic church uh, had kind of the early apostolic church had grown. Uh, There is people who have come up with man-made humanistic ideas about water baptism. And uh, a couple of centuries actually after Christ, uh, these well-meaning individuals began to baptize infants by sprinkling them. And and, uh, there is no place in the Bible that it speaks of an infant being sprinkled in water baptism. Now, now I want you to follow. Let's have logic. Let's do a little logic here. First off, in order to be baptized correctly, you have to die in repentance to your old lifestyle. An infant cannot repent because an infant is innocent. So that negates the power of the baptism, even though it's just sprinkling. That negates it in itself. An infant is unaware of sin. And so consequently, an infant cannot confess their sin. It's impossible. They can't turn away from the old nature. So therefore, prior to one's ability to understand God's Word, believe on Jesus Christ and renounce a lifestyle of sin, baptism remains ineffectual. So unless you can confess your sins, renounce the world, then you, baptism, is ineffectual. It doesn't work for you. That's why there's so many people in the past that, that, you, you, uh, that I have baptized that have come out of denominational churches who've never really had, uh, you know, they just were baptized as infants, sprinkled, whatever it may be. And, and they've come out, and when they, they come out of water baptism, they, they have a different look because they have completed the act of salvation or partially if they have not received the Holy Ghost. They feel clean because that old man is truly buried in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus. You've taken on the name of the only one, the advocate, our our, our Savior. You've taken on His name of the the only name under heaven whereby you must be saved. You've taken that on. There's something, and if I can use the term, it's not a bad term, mystical that happens to that person. And when you begin to really comprehend that, begins to take on a new meaning to you so you have to the greek word for uh greek word rather baptizo means to immerse and this is where the word baptism comes from in the english it's a greek word baptizo means to immerse submerge to make overwhelmed in other words to be fully wet fully wet that's the reason that sometimes you'll see me push down a little harder i want that person fully soaked Some people, I, I really need to put my foot on. Hold down for just a little while. To get fully wet, used only in the New Testament of ceremonial ablution, especially technically of the ordinance of Christian baptism, according to Strong's Concordance. Sprinkling is unbiblical and unacceptable. We must be submerged in water in the name of Jesus Christ in order to take on the nature of Christ. God commands baptism, not Sprinkling. It's a different word. In addition to the very definition of the word baptizo, every foreshadowing of baptism in the Scripture further confirms the concept of immersion. God purged the earth of wickedness in Noah's day with water. A few splashes of rain would not have floated the boat. You know, if God had just stood up in heaven and did this a couple times, it would not have floated. He'd still been in a mess. So that's not the way it works. So a few, you, uh, you know, again, a boat cannot float on just the effects of a thundershower. Now, when God purged the earth, He sent enough water to cover even the tallest mountains in Genesis seven nineteen and 20. So when He buried this earth, it was the tallest mountain was covered. Sin has to be covered completely. Likewise, we need enough water to cover that entire person. Okay, and what about the symbolism of the Israelites crossing to the Red Sea? I brought it up a little earlier. Their baptism in the sea. Did the walls of the water have to be over their heads? Yes. Some have suggested they waded through an ankle deep waters, but that's not the case. Uh, in, in, on the contrary, there was enough water to drown the entire Egyptian contingency that was pursuing the, the Israelites. And finally, when a dead body receives a proper burial, in no way could one satisfy cultural expectations or civil laws by sprinkling a handful of dirt only on that person. So you have to be Submerged. Now, throughout the Old Testament, God gave dozens of names by which humanity could describe and address Him. Yet in all of this, He reserved a special name that He would only reveal centuries later. He revealed Himself to Moses as Heia, or I Am. Thereafter, He came to be called He Is, or Jehovah. Thus, when the fullness of time had come for God to manifest Himself upon the earth as a Redeemer, He revealed His complete name, Jehovah, Savior, which in the Hebrew tongue is Yeshua. It is Yeshua. In the English language, Yeshua translates to Jesus. The prophet Isaiah must have looked forward with hopeful expectancy to the day when he would learn God's name. And perhaps as he penned the words of Isaiah 9-6, he thought the moment was about to come. Can you imagine what that prophet felt? Finally, he was feeling prophecy about the Yeshua, God who was going to come and save them. He, he felt that expectancy as God was dealing with him. And he penned these words in Isaiah 9-6, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So he didn't get the name. He just got descriptions. Yet, God did present a great prophecy through Isaiah who may not have realized the secret even after he inscribed the passage in Isaiah 12. This is wonderful. And if you've got your Bible, you need to mark this if you don't already have it marked. This passage indicates that God had turned from his anger and had given his comfort. The second verse, Isaiah 12, verse 2, Behold, God is my salvation, which is significant. The original Hebrew language reveals that the word Isaiah used, which is translated into the English word salvation, was the word Yeshua. In other words, the prophet's writings declared, the, Behold, God is my Yeshua. Or, in English, Behold, God is my Jesus. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song he also has become my Jesus salvation. Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of Jesus Yeshua. Now what better one in the scripture can you get than that? Only one God. And in that day shall you say, praise the Lord, call upon His name, declare His doings among the people, make mention that His name is exalted. So they use the name Jesus instead of salvation, or Yeshua, which is translated in Jesus in English. This is Isaiah twelve two through 4. After his resurrection Jesus commanded his followers to go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost. Matthew 28:19. It is important for us to understand what Jesus was telling his disciples and to obey. His commandment. The titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are not names, but they are descriptions of the one true God. Jesus clearly stated that baptism is to be in the name. Singular, one, not three. One name. Name. Not names. Not multiple titles or descriptions of God. The only way to obey His command is to baptize in a singular name. That is the only way to be obedient to that. This identifies with the three titles. You have to have a name that identifies with the three titles. Now, some individuals sincerely believe they can satisfy the Lord's command by simply repeating the passage at a baptism. However, baptism is like a legal transaction that requires specific identification for validation. Everywhere you go anymore, you better have identification. And when you go to heaven, you better have it too. In other words, you're not going to make it unless you do. Somehow, when God sounds the trumpet, He's going to say, will you flash your identification, please? <laughs> and the only way that's going to happen is going to be imprinted on this you understand that? When this body is changed to be likened unto his, his mortal body, it's going to be planted. When this thing is changed, the only way it's going to change is for that name and for the power of that name to be resident. Right here. That is the only way that it's going to happen. So that's And then we all know the story. I can use it with me, but we just we can use it like... Since I have talked about groceries a little earlier, we'll just use it that way, okay? You know, you've got Mama who goes in to the grocery store and she buy him way too much stuff and she has to write a check for it she don't have enough cash right so she asked for the groceries and she would <laughs> she would she would take her check in and it would have to be valid it would not be valid if she signed that check mother daughter and wife but it would be if she put her name on it you understand that you cannot it's not good enough to be baptized in the titles Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It's got to be in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. We'll never get what God has for us. We'll never be able to delve in what God has for us if we neglect the authority of His name. It'll never happen. Number one, Father, what is the the Father's name, Jesus said, "I am coming in my Father's name." John five forty three. The God Man was manifested to reveal the name of the Lord, according to John seventeen verse six and twenty six. Hebrews two twelve. This name Jesus indicates more than his human ancestry. It also connects him with his divine identity as the Savior. The Scripture declares he received his name by inheritance. It was more. It, it was a more excellent name, according to Hebrews one four. So Jesus got his name through inheritance. What name did he go by? Christ is a title. It means anointed one. Jesus. Jehovah, my salvation, Jehovah, Savior. That's what it means. He inherited that name. God became a man. He took on the flesh. Jesus took on the flesh through the Virgin Mary. But he got the name of God, Jehovah. Now has become my salvation, Jesus. So it's so important to recognize the power of that name. That's the Father. The Son, of course. The angel commanded, Thou shalt call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. Matthew one twenty one. Every true believer must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, thus we may have life through His name. John 20.31 The Holy Spirit. Logic again reveals that God's Spirit would not have a different name than God Himself. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, Jesus promised the coming Spirit baptism would come in His name in John 14, 26. What name did He have? The name is Jesus. Consistently, the Scriptures reaffirm time and again that the name of the one true God is Jesus Christ. Now, on the day Jesus gave the Great Commission, Peter heard every word that he said. So did the other ten apostles. And if he stood up there, and answered a question of seeking people. Men and brethren, what shall we do? There Peter stands with the ten other apostles, and if if he had made a mistake on his identity of Jesus Christ, somebody would have spoken up. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, to all them that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, if he have made that statement and he was wrong, and Matthew would have said, No, come on, Peter, you're all off. You know, you remember what I recorded over here, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son. Peter said, What's the matter, Matthew? Don't you know what the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost is? Have you been so long time with me, Philip, you've not, you've not known the Father? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How simple it really is. And how hard man, through their traditional way of, a, of addressing simple issues, have made things. And the day Jesus, again, he gave this. So, so they understand that Peter did not say that baptism would be into the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. He knew the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, uh, Jesus Christ. He had, had, been, had he been in there, someone would have mentioned it. Now, Acts 8... The name used was Jesus. When Philip preached in Samaria, the locals believed and reacted to what he preached. Once they believed on the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Acts eight twelve. Their newfound faith was not in Jehovah God, for they had known Him for ages. Their newfound faith was in Jehovah's Savior. Do you understand that? they known Jehovah God. Their newfound faith was now Jehovah is my Savior. That's why the name is so vital. Jesus the Messiah, God in the flesh, having this brand new faith in Jesus Christ, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 10, the name used was Jesus. Another group exemplified the importance of baptism in that these people were not Jews. Some have argued that only the Jews needed water baptism in Jesus' name. Well, everyone else needs baptism into the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You'd be surprised at what you get out there. You'd be surprised. There's so many people that call themselves Christians and they have got some really warped, twisted ideas contrary to this simply because they're trying to apply their logic, trying to apply tradition, trying to keep in tune with mom and dad and aunt and uncle and grandma and grandpa and not checking it out for themselves. Or some trying to go the easy way. Find me an easy way to go. I want to serve God, but I want to do it my way. But if the Jews needed it only, then why is it that the Gentiles in Acts 10 also were required to have it? The Gentiles in the house of Cornelius provided that example consistent with what Jesus had taught the apostles. After the new believers had received the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues, Peter stopped his sermon and he commanded And you got to understand, he was preaching and the Holy Ghost fell. They began to speak with other tongues. He stopped his sermon after they received the Holy Ghost and he commanded them. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. This is interesting. The NIV version of the Bible is not always the best version, but this is pretty interesting because in the NIV it says in that same Scripture, Acts ten forty-eight, He ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So He ordered them to do it. Commanded, ordered them to do it. Acts 19, the believers were rebaptized, and the name used was Jesus. This Jesus name formula, baptism worked for Jews, non-Jews, and even for those who had been previously baptized by John in Acts 19. Paul discovered some believers in Ephesus who had been baptized only in John's baptism, which was for repentance, not salvation. Once he instructed them regarding the whole message of the gospel, the finished work of Christ, they immediately saw their need for baptism. He said, now John baptized you in repentance. For his time, that's all he needs. Jesus came now. He died on the cross, he's resurrected. He is the God man who came for your salvation. Now, you need to be rebaptized because John was just getting everything prepared for him. Now, you need to be rebaptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who died for your sins. And it is still relevant today, it is still right today, still right today. No other options for water baptism. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. Stand with me and clap your hands unto the Lord. early to pray tonight. Let's have some good church. What do you say? Lord bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.